Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I'm in the room with the whole crew, plus one. How you doing, Mr. Mike Donovan? Not bad. It's good to have you back. We had uh, an awesome show last week with our uh, little volume Deep House special, and we held him captive and tied him up and put him behind the microphone again. So. <laughs> All right, let's do it. Let's do it again. Let's do it. We'll put a picture with today's newspaper on there so right. we know there's proof of life. <laughs> Uh, so we just wanted to kind of answer some voicemails. We've got a little small cache of voicemails built up, but before we dive into that, I wanted to uh, kind of go back and address some uh, Winter Nam announcements that we didn't really get a chance to cover um, while we were all, you know, getting together. And so, um, you know, every year there's this Nam show in Anaheim, California, and it's kind of the the way I described it was an E3 for you know music instruments. Right. So. For those who are not familiar, E3 is the big video game show that happens every year. That's how I relate to it in my head. I've never been. I'd really like to make it one of these years. And somebody always, every year, inevitably asks, is Passionate DJ going to be at NAMM this year? <laughs> so it seems like we're the we're the odd kid out on that. We're, I, 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 guess, I guess we just need to go. We just need our, to go. Our press passes were lost in the That's mail. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time talking about them, but uh, I do want to cover a couple of quick points uh, or a couple of quick release announcements. Reloop came out with an RMX 90. It's a DVS mixer for Serato. Mm. So this is a, a new, you know, timecode-enabled mixer right out of the box. Um, the first one that Reloop's designed for Serato DVS is a four-channel mixer with built-in effects and a USB hub. It's for under a grand. Mm. So I thought that was pretty exciting because yeah. Reloop makes really solid gear, underrated gear. Oh, agreed. Um, not a Serato user, so it's not helpful to me. But Right, but, I mean, coming in at, at under a grand, I mean, uh, you know, especially for, for a four-channel mixer with all that capability. With built-in you, sound card and yeah, you Serato don't, DDS. Yeah, you don't get that very, very often with, with gear that's that's uh, that comes with Serato in, installed and, and works right out of the box, for sure. Yeah, and I don't know if there's a, maybe you can answer this trip, the, the Serato DJ timecode License? Do you ha- would you have to purchase that separately, or with a licensed mixer like this, would that be included? If it's if it's DVS enabled, then the time code should go with it. Gotcha. But, um, without seeing it for sure, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, if, if it says that it's DVS enabled, I would I would assume that it it is time code enabled. Okay, yep. cool. Uh, Jim and I they're jumping back into the game with a new I won't call it a controller, a new standalone. Digital mixer, you know, the big thing now, standalone controllers or standalone mixers with screens. Mm. This is a four-channel version for $9.99. It's called the Gemini SDJ 4000. Actually looks pretty decent. Really? Yeah, it's worth a look. Um, this, this standalone thing seems to be getting some legs, but I, I don't know how far it's going to go as far as standardization. You know, it's the, the conversation we always have about record box versus other formats and right. anal- you know analyzations and and stuff that you have to do with that music is all very it's not platform agnostic right right which um well we'll get to the denon stuff here in a minute <laughs> i was gonna yeah. say <laughs> <laughs> the elephant in the room yep <laughs> um mixars have you heard of this company M-I-X-A-R-S. They're new. Uh, I had not heard of it till I reviewed all the NAMM stuff. So they came out with a controller as well in the $600 range, and it's your basic kind of DDJ-SX type 
controller. Okay. Really crowded market. Yeah. That six hundred dollars. That, that's the one comment that I think it was Phil made. Uh, oh yeah, digital DJ tips. Yeah, is that that's kind of a crowded market right now, which probably looking for somebody to break away and drop under that five hundred dollar price point. Yeah, it's like. I wonder what they're offering that would make that somebody else pick the new yeah. guy, right? But uh, they also came out with a Quattro mixer. Now, this is a little more interesting. It's a four-channel Serato-enabled mixer as well, and it's got dual USB, so, you know, for the changeovers the of DJs. Um, and has a really good MIDI functionality. It kind of reminds me of the, what's that new Pioneer mixer, the S9? The two-channel mixer that oh, all the yeah, Scratch yeah, DJs not, are yeah, using. S9's been, been around for a couple of years now, I think. Yeah, so it's got the, the colored pads on yep. each side, right? Mm -hmm. yep. So okay. this is this is kind of a four-channel. It's channel. like a really compact version of yeah. like one of the SX or SZ like type of uh, gear, but just you know take the CDJ wheels off of it. Yeah, this is a uh, supposed to be available in the spring for fifteen hundred dollars, and it's it's so it's sort of a four-channel S9 looking mm. mixer. And then, of course, uh, well, Stanton came out with a, an updated version of their ST-150 turntables. Okay. They're just like a Mark II type iteration. They're a little bit lighter and a couple of changes. But the really interesting thing was all this Denon stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There it is. Yeah. Yes. So <laughs> Denon came out with their they, the new lineup is called Prime. And right. they have a new set of players, a mixer, turntable. Turntables, yeah. Is that all of it? I think that's all I of it. I believe so. And the new players, the SC5000s, are pretty killer. Honestly, when I watched the the, the, the promo videos and saw the, the feature listing and all of that stuff, the new Denon stuff is sexy. Like, it's sexy. It is feature-rich. It is awesome stuff. The problem that Denon is going to have is that even though it's got more features and functionality than all of the pioneer stuff and it comes in cheaper than the pioneer stuff not much though well but i mean when you when you take three three units and you know two three hundred dollars yeah. per unit you know you're saving six to I, six to nine hundred bucks right but um the problem is is that pioneer is the industry standard and even, therefore record boxes the industry right, standard right and if you want to take over the big dog i mean a lower price point is not the only thing that you're you're working against so just to for a little bit of clarification the Sorry. sc5000 <laughs> player is sort of a uh, it would be comparable to a cdj2000 nexus right, right, to, right, right. Um, for you know a few hundred dollars cheaper and then the the mixer is the x1800 which is comparable to you right. know the 900 mix when we're saying that this that these things are feature rich i mean we're talking you know it's got I, if, correct me if the I'm screens wrong, are a little bit bigger the right? screens are bigger they're they're they're, 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 they're multi-touch multi -touch, you know pinching and whatever and um there's multiple uh uh cue point pads and all yeah. that stuff you know uh, into these units i mean hell they even put the album art in the in, center, you know, in the center, center of the wheel, wheel yeah. yeah. So I mean, it, it really cool stuff, and it, and like and, and the dual layer player. Do, yes, can yeah, we can we address that for a second? I mean, like that's that. huge. I mean, that that's one of the reasons I love this thing, even though I uh, my I'm pointing at my SZ, <laughs> but um, that that's one of the reasons I love this thing, even though I use my turntables as my channels two and uh, or one and four, um, but 
if I didn't have these turntables, I could still have four deck capability because of the dual layer play. Yeah, this is the big game changer, I think, for the CDJ feature, market. Yeah, for the yeah. CDJ market yeah. is that so when they say it's dual layer, and I brought this up a couple episodes ago, but we didn't get to to have a conversation about it. The dual layer thing is so. For instance, if you're using a, a controller and then you have your your function where you can switch between you know deck A and C and B and D, so you can control four decks with two jog wheels, right? This is straight, strict hardware that will do that. So it's a CDJ with two sets of audio outputs for each deck. Right. So you can plug in you know, one CDJ to two different channels and play two different songs different at the channel. same time. Right. And With only having one and, unit. This is all standalone stuff. There's no laptop required and that sort and, of thing. And you could be playing four decks on two, two decks. decks. Yes. <laughs> and on top of that, the so all the Denon's analysis software and all is that kind of stuff is built, built into in. The unit. Right. So each each player has like a dual core CPU or something, and it all like it just does it. You plug it in, it analyzes, it does the whole thing. And I think currently it's compatible it, with Serato. With it's compatible with Serato, and I think they tractors said on the way. Coming. Yeah, right. But it's all meant we, to operate standalone. When we say compatible, you, you mean mapping? Mapping. The, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah right. Mapping all of the the metadata, all your cue points, loops, and all that stuff. Correct. Right. Okay, and gotcha. so it's it, it has built-in functionality to detect key tempo, to grid your tracks, to do the whole thing right on the unit with right. no computer involvement ever, right. which is pretty neat yeah, for yeah, people absolutely. who like that standalone workflow. But like you said, I mean. How how killer of a feature do you have to have to get over the the pioneer hump? I don't know that it's a feature that, that that's missing. I think one of the things that we're going to see is is just the mainstay. I mean, when when these clubs and and DJs and and all of that stuff, when 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 all of these people and and businesses are investing in their booths, you know, pioneers tried and true, and. When you're talking about you know six to eight maybe ten thousand dollars worth of stuff, you invest in that, and it's what everybody, and I'm using everybody in air quotes here, but that's what everybody knows how to use. It's hard to convince somebody to invest in a setup like that when you can't, for instance, fulfill riders with it. And that's what right. I was going to say. I think Tony right. brought that up when we initially talked about it. Part of their marketing campaign their hashtag was change your rider yeah or something like that but i don't see that happening because at that price point without any proven track record this isn't happening anytime i mean unless you can get like a whole handful of really big djs to be like yep this is the future and switch over in a very public way it's just not going to happen and i mean and 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 we're, we're talking it needs to be very big DJs. I mean, we're talking like, you know, DJ Mag's top 10, that they right. all need to band together and, and, you know, come out with, you know, some marketing ploy that says... Better than the tour one. <laughs> <laughs> the tour one. Sorry. It slipped out. So, but talking about that, in order to attack the market at that price point, because uh, when initially you and I were talking about it when we first saw the specs on it, right. in my mind, I'm thinking if they're trying to take over the market, that the price point was going to be significantly lower because we were having that conversation about me buying turntables versus CDJs. And right, right. At that price, I'm not really... If but, I, if but I own... Point, but, but it, sorry, not to cut you off, but, um, but just to address that point specifically, you can't go too low on your price. 
Elsewise, you look to the market like you're trying to be the cheap knockoff, mm-hmm. a la a Baron. Sometimes consumers like look at prices though and think that because it's more expensive, it's better. It's better. Right, yeah. right. That's absolutely true. Yeah. But for me, someone being on that fringe at that price point, I'm probably going to go with Pioneer. Well, right, because yeah, I mean, it's so close anyway. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's it's a weird balance to try to strike. And if you're a performing DJ, like it, mm-hmm. that's the, going to be the system you encounter the most. Or if you're a club owner, right? You know. Yeah, I mean, if I were looking for a setup to just play with at home, and I really wanted a laptopless setup, mm-hmm. I might give it the heavy eyeball. But right. it, it seems like a very limited scenario where that's going to make sense. So. Right. I, I got to wonder where they, at the same time, it's like, but we need this kind of innovation, right? Absolutely. And, so, and that, that, that's, that's where, like, I don't want to sit here and, and, and trash Denon for, for the, the effort that they put into this thing. It's clearly a great product. It is a great product. Absolutely. But the whole hashtag change your rider and, 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 and really trying to take that attack at, at Pioneer, it's going to take a lot more than that. And it seems like the next pioneer cdj will just have things like dual layer yeah. <laughs> technology right, right. like and what's they, stopping they they've already put it into the controllers so clearly they have some patented technology that that allows them to do that without stealing it from denon so you know what's well the controller stop? relies on the laptop though i think that's maybe the difference perhaps but i mean you but, know, what's yeah, to stop it's... them from putting a processor in yeah there. nothing <laughs> right and and i wonder how much that premium would be for including like half a computer in there forty five thousand dollars <laughs> but i think this particular product goes to show that manufacturers are listening to what people the consumers are, are wanting and i mean we all know that the holy grail is a laptop list system um will we ever get there Laptopless mm. and open format. In system open format, where right. where, <laughs> where right. none of this proprietary stuff matters. But good luck, because that's yeah. not how the market works. That's, that's, exactly. that's not how that's not how companies stay in yeah. business. Yeah, like the everlasting light bulb, or everlasting gobstopper. It's never gonna happen. No, they're getting closer though. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I got got some lasting multiple years now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know where that's gonna go. I will say that uh, the mixer is also pretty nice. Yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, that's something that doesn't necessarily require you to stick with a particular uh, format, you know, in, in analysis software. So, yeah, I, absolutely. I think all of that stuff that Denon put out, I'm, I'm highly impressed by it. And if I, you know, to your point earlier, if I had that kind of money laying around and that's the type of system I wanted to set up here, then I, I would I would definitely give it a, 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 a heavy eyeball. But yeah. You know, for anybody that still performs out as a DJ and, and you're concerned about what you buy at home and whether that will translate seamlessly onto a stage at any given club or, or festival or whatever, uh, I just I I would have a heavy reservation about building my workflow and my and, and my skill set on Denon stuff and then knowing that everywhere I go is all going to be pioneer stuff or. I got to change my rider. And if I'm yeah. not somebody to be, you know, pushing my rider very hard, like <laughs> it's either that or you're taking your, your gear with you everywhere you go. And that sucks. And it does run its own software too. Oh, did yeah. you mention that piece? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. You want to get into voicemails? Sure. All right. This one comes from Jessica Philipson. 
Hi, my name is Jessica. I have a question after listening to episode 23. Um, ever since listening to the Pop Chop albums um, of mixing together different genres, I have been interested in doing a similar thing. Um, so what I'm asking is, what is the correct term for doing that? Um, and if you know of any free software that I could use to, uh, well, of course, since I'm a beginner, to see if um, I can do this and if I like to do this. Um, and then, of course, I can move on to something that I could pay for. But I just wanted to uh, ask you directly uh, about this. So, yeah, uh, thank you very much. Uh, and I'm very new to your website, so this is quite exciting for me. Uh, okay. Okay, thanks for the voicemail, Jessica. So, Pop Chop Albums, do you guys know what she's talking about there? I'm assuming she's talking about a mixing style, but maybe I'm out of the loop The there. thing that came to my mind was mashups. That's what I was That's thinking. That's what I was thinking, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. In the quick mixing style. Right. So... I don't have a whole lot of experience mixing that way. Is that something you guys have ever played with? Um, I've I watched that five-minute video with um, Girl Talk and decided I was never going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, with mashups, I mean, the the thing there is whatever whatever you want to try to do, you're going to need multi-tracking software. So, you know, anything from like, there's a, there's a ton of them out there, you know, everything from Fruity Loops and Ableton Logic and, you know, just there's, there's uh, Cubase. Um, uh, Personally, I like Ableton and I prefer its workflow, but um, the idea behind all of that is taking the instrumental of one track and then putting the vocal of another track and being able to, you know, chop those things up and put them together however you want and however you see fit. Um, but uh, so she references episode twenty three, which is with DJ producer remixer. What's the difference, right? Right. Cool. right. So that that's let's start there, right? Because because what I just described, a DJ could do with a right. turntable or or a pair of CDJs and a mixer. Right. So but there's a producer two different can approaches. do it by getting into the guts into of the guts. and and putting it Stretching together and and then and then reconstructing those individual parts as a track that can then right. be outwardly played. So or you before, could do it live if you're using stems. Right. 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 So, mm-hmm. so before really recommending a particular piece of software, right. that would be the the first thing to nail down is what's what's your approach here? Are you trying to perform something, or are you trying to create something? Right, right. So, are we making a mashup album, or are we playing mashups in front of people at you know an audience? Right. Um, or maybe something in between. Mm-hmm. Right. Ableton is a great place to start uh, that you brought up, Trip, because it can kind of do all of that at the same time. Ableton Live, that's why it's called that. Um, I think in either case, you're looking at doing a lot of prep work. So you're either creating the entire mashup, whether that's taking the vocals from one track and putting it on the instrumental of another, or taking two songs that are key compatible and mashing them together in some way. Mm-hmm. You can do all that in the studio, and that's that's kind of like asking how do I become a producer, which is way too much to address in a voicemail question. Right, but right. Um, 
on the other side of that, you can take any kind of DJing software, you know, Moment and Tractor with stems and, and remix sets. Mm-hmm. You can take all those pieces and use some kind of audio editing software and chop those pieces up into the bits that you want and then load them up into your DJ software and use that as a way to perform that stuff in front of somebody live, whether you're, you know, finger drumming the acapellas or whatever it is that you're doing. So I'm not really sure what your approach is, Jessica, and and where you're trying to go with it, but um, that's where I would start is is find out what what really do you want to do. Do you want to create a recorded product or do you want to perform? Right. Um, Outside of that, it's largely going to be a matter of preference as far as software goes. Yeah, and and as far as free stuff, I mean, there's... There, there are some uh, options out there, um, uh, one of which being Audacity. That's it, the one I was trying to think. It, of. Yeah, yeah. Audacity is um, free, open source. Right, yeah. open source, and it's it's it operates very similarly to SoundForge, which also has its multi-tracking uh, ability too, but um, it, it's not as robust of a feature set as your Ableton's, your your digital audio workstations and stuff like that. But it, you, it's it's functional. You can actually use it to do that stuff. So. And like the downside with that is it is strict audio editing software, and right. so it doesn't snap to any kind of tempo right. when you're recording. It's just kind of raw audio. It's like editing tape. Yeah. Yeah. So it's for creating mashups that might get a little unruly. Right. Um, Not that it hasn't been done. Right. Yeah. So um, what I would say, I, I, I'd i actually like a follow-up on that if, if yeah. she's, you know, Need a little uh, bit more info. Yeah, if she's willing to call back in or or, or shoot us an email, you know, I'm, uh, I think the whole team's got you know email addresses now. So <laughs> pick any one of our names and put at passionatedj.com at the end of it, and you know, let us know. Um, it, let, let's 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 dig into that a little bit deeper and, and find out what it is you're actually trying to uh, accomplish. Absolutely. All right. Hi guys, Angus here again. Don't mean to overuse your system, so I'll be quick. Firstly, like my main question for today is, is where do you see DJing in the future? Like, Tractor currently is making it more, like blurring the lines between producer and DJ with machine and Tractor integrations and all that kind of stuff. And, and just mainly, where do you see the art in years to come? And kind of on the back of that one, you see all these big record labels with um, big producers, and these producers are very good at making music, but when it comes to their skills as a DJ, they're somewhat rudimentary, yet they still seem to be thrown on stage purely because of the music they make. Just this is, is this what the future is going to be? Is producing going to be the new fundamental skill, like beat matching once was? These are my questions for you. I was just wondering what your thoughts on them might be. Thanks, bye. Sorry for sounding so depressed and kind of Good to hear from you again, Angus. Um, so, yeah, I, I hear your cries. Um, so to, to the second point, I, I will want to come back to that, but I just want to say I don't know that that's a new thing uh, as far as producers. producers being put on the big stage because of their production and not because of their DJ skill. Definitely not in the last decade. Um, yeah, that, that's something that for as long as I've been into it has been true. Right. And, you know, even, you know, in the older days, like when you did see, you know, the DJ's DJ who was also a producer or whatever, like that was always a a, a line that kind of um, blended, 
you know, mm-hmm. because those producers were DJs and they understood what it meant to DJ and they had the patience and the restraint and they understood how to work their crowds because that was inherently who was put on those stages at raves and shows and, and stuff like that. It's been in the last, I'd say, 10 years that there's been this shift to um, the producer you know, bypassing the DJ, you know, the DJ always had that role of introducing the listener to something new, curating these mixes from these really talented producers and stuff. And now all of a sudden you got these producers who have never had any experience as a DJ that are being put on these stages. And he's absolutely right. Some of them have never known or understood what it means to DJ. And some of them, you know that just by the structure of their songs because they don't give you any mixing in or mixing <laughs> out time, you know. They, they, they've structured a song, not a 12-inch, uh, you know. Right, and that's point. So that's been, that has been a shift as far as that point is concerned. We'll, I think we're going to come back to that first point, though. But. Yeah, well, I wanted to say, you know, as far as just to drop a little clarification in, um, I think we're specifically referring to people in the sort of EDM slash dance music scene with this. So there are still hip hop DJs that are known for that because that's what they do. Right. Um, so this is, this is more of an electronic music problem, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, Mike, I wanted to ask you about this because we, we spoke last week about volume and I think that you might be one of the, the few, shows that brings in the the DJ's DJ as it were like the 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 people who came up because of how good they were at playing music and presenting that to a crowd is that something that you look for when you're building volume or do, do you tend to do you still find yourself writing on the the laurels of of people's productions and you know what brings people out in that environment I think for me and for what I'm doing with volume, I, I think it's a little bit of, of both. Okay. If I'm understanding the, the question correctly, um, oddly enough, I don't know if this has any bearing on the question, but I, I think producer DJs perform worse at volume in terms of response than DJ producers. You know, like the the produce like the, when I bring out an act and they're known for their production skill, okay. those it seems like uh, volume attendees respond more. We get better numbers when we From bring somebody out that's the, known as a DJ. Yeah, but when we bring out the producer who also DJs, that's where numbers tend to decline a little bit. I've seen it's been really really strange. So Tony, with the larger scale, three dimensional type events. What's your experience with that? Does it differ, or is it? I mean, how does how do, do you tend to go for people who have production I, cred? I or don't. DJ cred? I don't go after people that have production cred because I mean, there's people that are out there. I'm getting. I, I was getting offered somebody a month ago by the name of Paco Asuna, and we all know him mm-hmm. as a very, very good, you know, producer. And in any other big city, he would do great. Here in Dayton. Probably not because right. he's not known as a DJ. Right. Um, DJs but, will probably would love you know, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But right. at the same time, I'm not gonna bring. I don't want to bring a producer out that is just a mediocre DJ. Mm. 
I want to bring somebody out that's a good DJ because that's what that night's going to fall on. It's not going to fall on the fact that the dude made a specific song. Right, right. You know, because once that's what everybody's waiting for. They're waiting for that one song and waiting to hear that one or two or three songs that this guy's known for. And, and then what? And cool, right. Yeah. You know, I want a DJ that's going to ride the night and take that crowd somewhere right. as a DJ. Right. And that's what DJs, yeah. I think, really, really have intact is that crowd reading, you know, being around all that as to where the producer, I don't want to say all of them, but, you know, most of them are known they sit in a room and they produce. They're not known for getting in front of a crowd and being able to, to read that crowd and react specifically. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting because I guess this kind of speaks to the the first point that he made. You know, the lines are very blurred now, anyways, right. and this is very apparent if you just look at these latest, you know, Nam hardware announcements and and any modern DJ controller or. You know, Pioneer's Torres sampler system right, and all right. this stuff. I mean, it's it's hard to tell what's, you know, Native Instruments machine. It's hard to tell what's performance gear and what's production gear anymore because they're intentionally being blurred. You know, right. DJ producer is is almost how how you have to say it half the time just because a lot of us are doing something in between. Right. You know, how many loops do you have to grab and mix together and and stuff before it's a live performance? How many uh, tracks do you have to sequence before you're not producing anymore? It gets kind of wacky, right? It's mm-hmm. it's hard to tell, and so now you've got, I mean, even people who've been doing it for a long time now, you've got your, you know, Dead Mouse plays, you know, his Ableton sets mm-hmm. that he's the first one to say, "I'm not a DJ. It's not what I do." Right. He's obviously performing electronic music. Is he DJing? Is he producing on the fly? Is it what is he doing? Right. Right. He's not necessarily playing instruments in the live band sense you know so it's really easy for this to just devolve into semantics right 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 um so as far as what's the future of djing i'm sure it's just going to be more of that more of mashing it all together and trying to find ways to creatively express oneself and add live elements to it while still making it accessible to somebody who would call themselves a DJ. And that's the key part there. I think that will still always be the distinction between the the DJ and the producer because a lot of the, the live element stuff that a producer would do that's getting integrated into the DJ experience that I've seen, it's all... Uh, I don't want to call it a shortcut to production, mm-hmm. but you know, um, precursor maybe. Yeah, and 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 it makes it more accessible. It it, it allows the DJ to kind of have an idea of how I would put these things together or whatever. And I mean, assuming that somebody has just basic working knowledge of very rudimentary music theory, like myself not somebody who has extensive knowledge and, and, and working knowledge, you know, you could do some basic music theory analysis and, or key analysis on all of your stuff and, and be able to competently put together something that could be considered a production with some of this stuff. But, you know, most of it is if it's not like, you know, like a beat sequencing thing, like the, the Roland 808 thing or, um, or some kind of a, a sample trigger, you know, as all these performance pads and stuff like that, you know, then 
once you cross over into that producer realm, it's a whole other ball game, you know, right. because then you're getting into, you know, whether you play the keys or whether you draw the notes or, you know, whatever, or whether you're working with audio or whether you're working with VSTs or whether you're working with hardware, you know, there's, there's, it's a lot more involved on the production side than the DJ side lets on. And, you know, with stuff like, for instance, I'll bring up Ableton Link. Mm -hmm. So this is not software. This is a protocol. Right. So Tractor has it now. Machine has it now. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if Serato has it. Uh, I think they're still working on that one. Yeah, yeah. so it's, it's, it's becoming this universal time you know, clock protocol. And it's, it allows you to sync all these different things together easily without having to use a MIDI clock, which are not always the most reliable. Right. And so anyways, all that to say, I can take my machine studio at home and hook it up to my tractor rig and then hook up my, you know, MIDI keyboard to that. And I can have it all in perfect sync with each other. And I can have an arpeggiator on my keyboard and have it, you know, which means it's going to play a sequence of notes in a certain key. And I can just hold down one note or one chord and it'll play that in perfect time with my DJ set. Am I DJing there? Am I producing there? Am I playing the keyboard there? I'm, I'm doing something in between all of that, right? right. So I think we're going to see more of that. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with either the DJs or the crowd getting bored with that's just a DJ. Say, just, yeah, the, the, Somebody the crowd demands it. Right, like why am I more. listening to you instead of an iPod? And, yeah. and for people who aren't, you know, especially if they're getting introduced to electronic music, for instance, who don't have that precedent set for what a good DJ set is right. and that musical journey thing. They say, why am I watching this person on a stage play, play tunes? Other, play other people's music. Whereas, you know, some yeah. of us in the crowd might be saying, why are these people staring at the DJ? You know, so it's... It's I, just a disconnect. Right. I, I, I work with uh, uh, some people that are... Um, um, a couple decades older than I am. Um, and some of them have, uh, directly asked me, you know, Hey, I saw such and such a DJ. Most of the time it's dead mouse on, <laughs> on TV. And you, you know, they've got these crazy helmets. They've got these crazy light shows. They got all this crazy stuff going on, but they're just standing what there. What are they doing? Yeah. What are they doing? They're just standing there pushing some buttons and waving their hands around. And I'm all like, uh, okay, I get it. That's what it looks like to you, but like, you know, it's hard to describe everything that came up to that point to somebody who is used to a, a band. live performance uh. being, yeah, you know, the the drummer and a bass guitarist and a lead guitarist, maybe a rhythm guitarist, and you know, microphones and all like of that. Parliament with a big horn section, <laughs> right, right, you know? right. You know, but so, part of the problem that you run into there is that it's never going to be enough for somebody because right, if right. I'm, you know, take the Ableton Link example, if I've got a MIDI keyboard up there and I'm playing a DJ set and I'm also adding a couple of pads with my keyboard, then someone's going to be like. Does he think he's playing keys up there? I mean, <laughs> say that to the 20,000 kids that are going to go see the Chainsmokers at U.S. Bank Arena or the Schottenstein Center. They just announced this huge tour, right? Right, right. And they're doing all these arenas all over the United States. Now, it's two guys that are top of the charts, and I'm sure you guys know the name, oh, and yeah. probably a lot of our listeners know the names. But those guys play, there's four CDJs up there mm -hmm. and a Nexus 900. Right. I guarantee they're probably only using two at a time, but there's no live element to that. 
Right. But there's 20,000 people going to see these guys perform right. those songs that they've heard on the radio, but they're not really performing the songs. I think in that, in that case, a lot right. of people don't know what they're seeing. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, like, when you say people might get bored, they're not seeing what any of these guys are doing. They just know that, oh, Chainsmokers were off the hook or such and such was off the hook. Yeah, and and I think that uh, I think I that's gonna, why DJs catch flack, though. I guess is right. my point. Yeah, and yeah. I was gonna, I was actually gonna use that exact point as as the devil's advocate. Like, I mean, how many people have been in and out of the rave and EDM and and warehouse parties and all of those scenes, and maybe came in and left, and still to this day never knew what the DJ was actually doing, right. other than playing music. Right. Like they, you know, not really having a, a true understanding of what we do up there. And it's hard to find that balance of what what in this DJ set is really value-add and what is it just me looking like I'm busy up here, <laughs> right? I mean, you can always turn a knob yeah, yeah. if you need well, to I think busy. that's that's also <laughs> where a lot, what I do. I think that's also where a lot of this comes from is things have gotten so automated that you don't spend a minute and a half trying to beat match beat two match. pieces, <laughs> two or three pieces of wax. Right. So you have all this time. And even with our, within our community, you have, like, you know, when it comes to the competition aspect, you have the DMC, and then you got the three style, you mm-hmm. know, and both will argue that they're both performance DJs, you know, so there's even that when you start drilling down, I mean, that's a whole other subject, yeah. but the, where, where's it going, Angus? Well, we don't know. <laughs> I think is the bottom line. We'll be along for the ride. Yeah, but we'll be here. That's for damn sure. But I think one thing that I really, you know, that I think we try to do with this show is to to help not only educate people about what the art of DJing is and why it's important to us, but to to kind of preserve it in case it does get so far off the rails that it's hard to recognize, which may have already happened. Right. I mean, it's... You know, I I really want to talk about the the art of selection and and long blend mixing and all these kind of things so that EQing. that in EQing, right. so that the kids who are being introduced to this once they want to look into it and find out a little bit more about what is the DJ doing up there, right? Um, you know, this is what matters to us. This is what we think about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I think Good it's a question. matter. I think it's a matter of uh, for me how I look at it, <clears throat> just my experience. I would go back to defining DJing. You know, what are you defining as DJing? And from throwing, you know, where is it going? I have to look at where it's been to where it is now. And what I've particularly booked from from the days of throwing raves to the mid-90s to now, it's essentially the same thing. And if I and if I have to project what the next twenty years of DJing is going to be, I can only base it on what I've done the last twenty years, and it's the same thing. It's mm. instead of two D two turntables it's and a mixer, CDJs. it's two CDJs and a mixer right now. I mean, what I'm sh- what I am through volume, my personally, what I am sh- showcasing as DJing is the same thing I showcased with Channel Jive twenty years ago. Mm, right. You know, so when I look at it, I'm like, I don't know if from my definition of DJing and what I look at is pretty a purist definition of it. Right. In terms of the the craft, it, I don't have, I wouldn't doubt if I threw a party in 20 years from now, that same basic element of, hey, we're in a room, this guy's mixing 
track A into track B, then to track C, then to track, you know, like that, that's it. Right. Because, I mean, it, we're, even like the rave scene, EDM, all of that stuff, none of that has been immune to a true life performance. You know, we, we've, we, we used to have these things that we used to refer to them as live PAs. Yeah, what happened to them? You know, PA? Right. And that's where, you know, some people would, sh- you know, show up and they have got literally a dozen case flight cases full of keyboards and, and, and analog, uh, 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 synthesizers and, and all of that type of stuff. And, sequencers and 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 getting everything all set up and then actually performing the music live in front of you you know and you know so it we we were never immune from that so i think where where we stand at least as the show you know we we recognize that uh the gear um to your point two turntables and a mixer most notably now is two CDJs in a mixer, but a lot of this gear is implementing a lot of new flashy stuff. So, you know, your sample uh, uh, drum pads and her finger drumming pads and things like that. Um, you know, so implementing those types of things, I could see where a, a listener like Angus would um, would have that that question because the gear is starting to blur those lines. Uh, you've got people like a rap music that like get out there and like just totally destroy, you know, these, he's these, clearly you know, doing a live performance. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but you know, and it's, it, but it's all pre triggered or pre pre set up, you know, triggered right. samples. And, and, you know, is that inherently musical? Depends on what your definition of musical is. Just like, you know, what's your definition of a DJ? So is a rap, uh, is, is he a musician or is he a DJ? Right. He's still playing pre-recorded music to an audience, so he's DJing, but <laughs> right. he's playing an instrument, so he's right, right, right. Yeah. And 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 one of our articles, you know, still to this day, <laughs> still gets very inflammatory, very inflammatory yeah. and derogatory <laughs> and supportive remarks. You know, uh, all surrounding that conversation. And I, so I, I I agree with Mike that you know in twenty more years, I think that. The core of what DJing yeah. is is not really going to change, but there's going to be a lot more added to it for the people that want to keep expanding and and bring that whole production aspect into the fold for it. In some ways, it's kind of interesting because you see all these other performance elements being added and people trying to make a bigger to-do out of what DJing is, perhaps... And then I'm still laughing at the Roland 808. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. I don't need an 808. 808. Yeah, I don't need an 808 in my but it's DJ green. controller. Yeah, it's very, very it's green. Green, green AF. Know, and, and I mean, I'm sure it's green. a. It's a. I've seen. Um, I think uh, uh, a, a guy that I know, uh, DJ Monwell, and you know, he's a DMC artist. He's He's totally torn up decks and all of that stuff in the DMC market. And when he picked up, you know, the the DJ eight oh eight from from Roland, like I mean, he it, it's 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 obviously a, a competent piece of hardware and and did a scratch routine on it. And it's I mean, it, it, it was it, it sounded great, but 
at the same time, I didn't see him touching the, the 808 much. Like, you know, what's the purpose of that? Like, what are you trying to get out of that that right. your tracks don't already have? Like, do your tracks not have drums? Like, <laughs> right. So I think we're going to continue to see feature bloat. Right, right. We're going to continue to see automation. Agreed. And people trying to expand their sets into other types of performance. But at the same time, for somebody like me, you know, I'll I'll take Mike's show's volume as an example. I'm still going to go there to hear what it is that DJs do. Right, right. And that's kind of platform agnostic, right? Like it doesn't really matter what, you know, they're using two CDJs or two turntables or a controller or whatever. Um, it's it's not going to matter to me what they're playing on because that's not what I'm I'm not there to hear them beat match. I'm there to to see where I mean, they yeah, start yeah. and where they take me, right? <laughs> and so hopefully you hope it's beat matched along the way, though. Right? <laughs> yeah. Don't get me wrong. But it's still cool to hear it when you know they recover. You know, yeah, but a to me, phase cancellation, I'm okay with. Right. <laughs> but to me, that's where the where the art is and what what interests me in that. And I I hope that. You know, things like Passionate DJ Podcast, shows like Volume and the shows that Three Dimensional throw on, they, they can really display what the art of DJing is to people. And, here, here. Yeah. and when yeah. you see, you know, 200 people in a small room that are totally into that, that one person who doesn't get it might take pause and kind of be like, okay, maybe there's more to this than push play. Than pushing play and, you know, what what's the big deal and that's that's how it starts you know but i think above all else if trip has anything to do with it this particular sound effect will be eliminated from all (laughs) things dj (laughs) (laughs) i hate it hate it Uh, so thanks for calling in again angus it was good to hear from you hails all the way from australia is 14 so it's pretty awesome yeah keep at it keep at it for sure uh from what I understand, he hasn't even really started on his DJ yet, DJ journey yet. I think he's just in the music, but yeah, keep in, keep in touch. Let, let us know. Where Maybe he'll be telling going. us what's what's what the future up here is in yeah. any year. Or he two. is the future. He's fourteen yeah. years old for sure. Know? And one of my favorite uh, glitch hop labels is actually out of Australia, Adapted Records. Oh, okay. Uh, it's, they, they've got some really good stuff. I'm sure he knows them. He can hook us up. Oh, <laughs> so so. <laughs> a lot of good music in general comes out of Australia. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Out yeah. Bounds, just yeah. bands. It's a good place to get music from right oh, now. Yeah. I mean, it, it some, it, one guy, super creative, uh, uh, goes by Dub Effects. I've been begging Tony for like four years to bring him. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the guy like started off as like a street artist. Um, where he had like you the know pans a, and all that stuff. No, 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 that, oh. he, no. He had like a, a series of like guitar pedals and a looper and and some effects and stuff like that. In like a beardy man style. Like uh, yeah, yeah. And so then like he would like yeah. do a beatbox and then you know get that loop yeah. going and then just add a bunch of layers, layers and then he would like either rap or sing over it. And I mean, it, and and the whole thing just took off like awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, I, oh man, that guy's really good it's yeah. kind of hard to make the numbers work though to bring someone in from australia to Unless the states to dayton and <laughs> it plays pots and pans yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. all right so we have one more voicemail from glenn harden who's a local guy here and he's written in before but we kind of had some trouble with the voicemail and it kind of 
had in and out audio quality and stuff. So we're just gonna we still want to address the question because it's an important one, and there were kind of two parts to it, and and one was how do I? He said he had trouble politicking and getting along with people and trying to become parts of larger, you know, part of a larger whole when it comes to the scene. And then uh, some kind of social anxiety, I think, when it comes to coming out and interacting with people and being on stage. And so um, I wanted to... And there was one other point that uh, I think it will be the easiest to address. Uh, He also mentioned something about uh, not having... Uh, enough money for the gear that he thinks that he yeah. needs. Right. So right. I, I think that's important to to throw in there as well. Right. Agreed. So as uh, the gear part is is easy to answer. Just right. go to passionatedj.com <laughs> forward slash controllers. You can see our recommendations there. Well, and, um, and, and depending on what you're going for, obviously. Right. Right. And and for the for any budget, you know, um, uh, I took a course. Uh, called the ill methodology um ill gates uh he's a big glitch hop mm. producer bass music producer um and he had like a whole series and it was geared for producers but like one of the key takeaways from the very beginning of that course was all you really need to make music is um a pencil eraser and scissors like that's all you need you know you and and if you take that and you apply it to anything so you know with you know, you could spend all this money on like all the best software and mm-hmm. all the best VSTs and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, all you really need to make music is some kind of a sound, a way to manipulate it, and in a way to arrange it. You know, and DJing is not that much different from right. that very concept. You know, as long as you've got two sources of audio that you can mix together with some kind of a competent mixer, then you can be a DJ. So whatever whatever the the end game or end goal or or whatever if if what you're trying to do is dj then it's it's better to work with what you do have and master that than pine after the the top gear or you know something that is completely unobtainable and i think we talked about that on a previous episode where we were saying like you know you have your sz i have my s4 and my f1 and i still don't know how to fully use any of it. Right. Um, because I got to a certain point and I got comfortable and I just quit digging into the nuts and bolts. Yep. So, you know, might I have been better served by just staying with what I had previously and learning that to the nth degree before moving on to the next chain? Probably. Right. So I'm sure whatever you have, Glenn, I mean, if you're DJing, you know, work with what you have. Right. Because the amount of money you spend does not proportional is not proportional to your skill level right for sure uh, go back and listen to baller on a budget um, episode Uh, drop in the show notes um (laughs) we have all kinds of tips as far as you know how to get the most bang for your buck when it comes to that absolutely Um, don't be afraid to buy used don't be afraid to markets are always a great option yeah and and i just happen to know because uh glenn's written in about this that he was i I don't know if he actually got it or was eyeballing some of the the behringer modular controllers Mm -hmm. which are really great right actually um and you know you can also use you know any old midi keyboard you got laying around if you learn how to map tractor um Mo added me to the, the or suggested that I jump on the Tractor DJs Facebook group, mm-hmm. and then I subsequently recommended that to him when he was asking about this. And so uh, that's a, another great resource for tractor specific things yeah. on how to just take whatever MIDI something that you have and turn it into what you want it to do. 
yeah, there, there's lots of support out there. People ask questions all the time on how do I do X, and then within minutes, people are yeah. firing back from all over the world. So it's a pretty sweet community. Right. Can you speak to the the issue with sort of dealing with the politics and the scene and trying to work with people? And he mentioned in the voicemail that he was having trouble getting along with people and said he likes to speak his mind and thought that that was getting in the way. Yeah, and when I actually I initially heard the voicemail, well, the pieces of it that we could here yeah (laughs) (laughs) dude technical difficulties no i actually wanted to address this uh piece specifically because um for those that are recent listeners uh know that i have a background in the military i still currently serve in my current position i'm roughly responsible for about 200 members i've been serving for 25 years so i have a little bit of experience with dealing with people and having to politic and negotiate now, do I, do, does everyone I, everyone I work with, do I like them? No. Um, do I get along with everyone I work with? No. But do I have to work with them? Yes. Because in my line of work, when people disagree and they carry grudges, it leads to poor patient outcomes, you know, with me being a medic. Um, ultimately, that's not the goal and that never should be the goal. And I'm not saying that adverse outcomes are going to result of you not having good relationships with the people that you're trying to get in touch with. But you don't if, have to be best friends with everyone. You don't have to be best friends right, with everybody. Right. That's that's very paramount. But also, you know, you have to understand that um, ne- politicking isn't necessarily selling out or giving in. You have to get to a point where you can negotiate and come to a best alternative to a negotiating agreement, or you know, a some sort of compromise or collaboration. Because from from what I'm gathering from reading, you know, listen to your voicemails that you're trying to get into a next level of DJing. And unless you're going to create your own production company and put on your own shows and do all that sort of stuff, you're going to have to work with other people. Um, and it happens to me all the time. Uh, early on in my career, I had a huge problem having to comp with compromise because I felt like I was selling out or I was not uh, being honest with myself. But, you know, for you, wanting to get to that next level you're gonna have to just find a way within yourself to understand that it's okay to work with people or for people that you don't necessarily like because it's going to help you get to that next level and achieve that goal of collaborating with other artists or companies or promoters or anything like that um it's one of those natural progressions um with any profession whether it be music military um, I'm sure in the graphics world or in the programming world, and you're Dave. You're like a hustler of all shades, so I don't know what. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it might be fair to, you know, we're we're comparing this to a military situation, mm-hmm. right? And in that situation, you don't have a choice, right? Like you've got to get along with people, or else is is that fair? Um, Not that you have to be their best friends, but you have to figure out how to operate in this environment. I would agree with that. And so that's not necessarily the case when you're in a, a situation where you're just when you're doing something artful or performance related. So I think maybe a lot of this might have to do with just having to have the self-discipline to force yourself to be that way. And and I would agree with that as well. Now, um there have been, you know, earlier earlier on in my career there have been times when I was reluctant to do those things. And the outcomes of those things were not as good as I had hoped. Mm. But that was because I probably could have bent a little bit more 
than I was willing to. Mm. Is that if that makes sense? Sure. I could kind of relate this to somebody that I've had the opportunity to work with a couple of times. Um, a very, very big artist that wears a mouse head on the top of his head. <laughs> and, you know, it's in very, very, he's in very, very high demand. Um, dead mouse, you know, we'll just throw it out there, whatever. Um, but I've worked with him a few times, and I'll tell you this, like, he's not the most personable guy in the world. I think anybody he, with a Twitter account knows that. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, I, I've got to see some things... You know, that I looked at the guy and I'm, what an asshole, you know, like horrible, not a people person, but he's in high demand. So maybe put yourself in a little bit higher demand where those people that, you know, you don't politic well with or that you don't like or that may not like you or whatever the case may be, create a higher demand for yourself. So they want to reach out to you so they can say, hey, man, I'd like for you to play our gig or something of that sort, you know. Yeah, tip the scales in your favor. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's amazing what people are willing to put up with if you have something they want, right? Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Very much so. Cool. All right, before we take off, Mo, you're having a huge event tomorrow. Can we talk about that for a second? You're going to yes. DJ for like nine years or something uh, tomorrow? Give or take uh, eight hours. Uh, tomorrow, um, with the winter coming to a close, uh, is when the CrossFit season, competition season starts to begin. So tomorrow is going to be my first major event of the season um, here locally at CrossFit XS, owned by Brody Mays. And starting the first event will start at 7 o'clock. I'll probably be done about uh, 4 or 5 That's o'clock. 7 a.m. 7 a.m., yes. And, you'll be and, done and, by I, and I already went and set up, and uh, those are the, I posted some pictures of that tonight. So you yeah. guys can kind of see what So you'll be done like. by 4 or 5 in the afternoon. Give so you're DJing for how long? Uh about nine hours. For nine hours with, what, 15-minute breaks every 90, something like About, that? Yeah, it, yeah. Dave was asking me, so, like, how long are you DJing? And uh, the way I kind of explain it to him is I'm probably doing about five or six 90-minute uh, sets. You bring in some snacks and, like, uh, a couple. <laughs> he's Catheter. training. What he, what he, I was going to say what he's doing is he's training to take over the, the, the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, record we talked no, about. No. <laughs> he's like, oh, only Again, nine days to go. maybe. <laughs> But yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Um, I'll be definitely sending some pictures and videos, so you guys can kind of see uh, from under the helmet like what it is I subject myself to, uh, just to help these athletes get through some pretty grueling workouts. Awesome, Tony. You have anything you're ready to announce yet? Three dimensional. <laughs> hint, hint, wink, wink. No, no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> April eighth. Save April the eighth. Save the date. Mike, what's coming up for volume? Get, tell us what volume is real quick, like the one or two liner, and then who's coming up. Volume is a, uh, a club night, a deep house night that takes place every eight to six weeks. Uh, we showcase primarily deep house DJs, uh, headliners, and um, uh, the next one is Friday, April 21st with Roy Davis Jr. Roy Davis Jr. Yeah. Dayton, Ohio. Volumedeep.com. Awesome. Check it out. Thanks, guys. Thanks for the voicemails, and we'll see you next week. See you. Easy. Later. Good night. Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning.
You know what's funny is when we're listening to this, I'm going to be able to tell which episode was post Gina going to bed. Because we're all going to be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, guys. Yeah. 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 yeah it was a really good moment. <laughs> really good show. He said yeah. tweeter. <laughs>